0: Hi there. This is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Welcome to our podcast. Today's topic: problem solving. So I was working at my place, and I had some empty boxes to cut up and recycle, and and I started to do the job, and and I realized some stuff as I was as I was doing it. I I grabbed this box, and I had my my utility knife, and I I was gonna break the box apart at the glue joint and that was hard to do and I tried pulling it apart and that didn't work and I got a screwdriver out to try and pry it apart and that didn't work and I tried to cut the box from the outside corner and on the outside of the box and that didn't work and I just kept trying all these different techniques and I got them I got one box cut up and it took way too long and I fussed with it and I fussed with it some more and started to work on a new solution. I, I simply grabbed the box and cut off the box from the inside corners and laid it out flat and then sliced it up. But it took me, you know, two or three tries before I found a, a way of working that really made sense. And it just made me think about the problem solving that we go through when we're working when we're working with our hands, there are always these decisions we have to make, and they're constant. How do I hold myself? Uh, let's put it up here. No, that doesn't work. Let's move it down to the ground, and let's let's cut things up here. Uh, let's set the knife so that I don't cut myself. Let's Let's do these things in a particular order, and you start to understand the job better the more you try it, and the same thing is true at the bench. The exact same thing is true at the bench as you... Start a task, even a task you've done before. If you don't remember immediately, you'll go through a series of tries and attempts to figure out the best way of doing doing the job. And that's just normal. That's natural. Even a job you've done before, you'll try it one way and you go, oh, no, that's not how I do it. I do it this way because I've learned. I've got some experience with this. And that's what I think problem solving is about, is that ability to be constantly evaluating what's working, what's not working. Richard Sennett's book, The Craftsman, he talks about that, how a a craftsman considers the job each and every time he does it and tries to make it better. And that's one of the definitions of, of craftsmanship, how these little things add up and tries and attempts that fail Teach us to try again, try a different thing, try something, tweak the process, and see what what finally works. So it's an interesting event that occurs really at the at the bench so often. Is this this problem solving? I'm going to read a little bit from uh, from my book Handmade. I'm not sure if I've read this section before, but uh, it doesn't matter. Jake the mechanic was an important guy in my life. Chapter three, Jake the mechanic. I needed to leave town for a time to figure out my direction in life. It was one of my roommates, Claudia or Billy, that I left that hand plane in wood with, and I drove back to the Midwest and made it as far as Ann Arbor, Michigan to stay with a friend. It was where I got a job as a car mechanic. Check that as a Volkswagen mechanic. Now, in truth, I didn't know that much about Volkswagens. I talked my way into that job. But uh, because of Muir's idiot book, uh, John Muir's uh, Complete Illustrated Guide to Volkswagens, I think that's what it was called, or The Idiot's Guide to Volkswagen, I forget the name. But because of that book, I figured out some simple things that I could do on a VW, and I lied my way into this job in Ann Arbor. My own VW convertible was going to need an engine rebuild soon, so I worked hard, and I worked cheap, and they kept me on. I had the worst bay in the garage to work in through winter, and that was the one by the floor drain. So this meant that all the snow from the other cars around me would melt into my slot. So I worked in a puddle of water most of the time. Not ideal conditions in the cold of winter there, but hey, I had a real job working with my hands, so this was exciting and different. I made 100 bucks a week. It was great. As it turned out, I was no gearhead. Too many blood sacrifices to the wrench gods were required. This was the sort of career move that proved that I needed to consider my future better. I wasn't quick. So my boss was providing welfare to this long-haired hippie, who could work hard and was trying to do his best. In Michigan, working on cars, rust always won the battle. I was constantly being stumped by its iron grip on parts. We would get these VW bugs into the shop, and the muffler that needed replacing would be rusted on tight, where the heat exchangers were rusted shut. My job was to hammer away on these buckets with my air chisel, trying to get their nuts and bolts to budge while lying on my cart underneath them, and usually getting nowhere. Now, an air chisel is a pneumatic tool powered by compressed air, and it is so noisy that the only way you can work with one is right up close to it, immersed in its syncopated racket. The noise from an air chisel is manageable because you feel like you're getting something important done. On the other hand, your neighbor, using one for an hour, is a cretin with no imagination. Get leverage is what I wanted to scream at my neighbor. He also has no brain left after all the ruckus he has created. His air chisel is a shriek, a crime against your eardrums, a cacophony of havoc. And this perpetrating neighbor should be caged or chained up or incapacitated somehow. Someone of a sensitive nature might think this. In any event, it was an affront to your senses, this tool. We had to use it to free up parts because nothing else would work. We all did so with no earplugs, working in these tin box Volkswagens that resonated like marching band bass drums. I would crawl inside or under a bug and hammer away at some stuck part, my mind tense, my arms and body jumping with the pounding of the air chisel. And it was fun at first making noise. But every once in a while, I would come across some rusted up section I could not free, even as I grimaced and pounded and hammered. Now, my best friend and savior, when things went awry for me there at the shop, was Jake. He was the kind of mechanic who didn't say much. Not much taller than me, he had a lanky calmness to him. The simple face, straight black hair, parted so it fell flat across his head, seemed to match his demeanor. He liked to size things up before he spoke. When I would finally recognize defeat, I would walk over to ask Jake for his help. Jake was maybe 10, 15 years older than me and very measured in everything he did. To my way of thinking, he was the best mechanic in the shop, even if he was, wasn't the one rebuilding motors. To me, he was the best because whenever I got stumped, he could always figure a way out. I would sidle across the aisle to Jake's Bay and patiently wait for him to come from underneath the car or from inside its hood. I had to ask him again for help, which he always generously gave. We were on a clock for each job, so this was an imposition. Make no mistake about it. I would explain the problem to him, which he understood immediately. In short... The issue was that I was a knucklehead. Jake would stop what he was doing, climb out of the Volkswagen he was working on, wipe his greasy hands on a red rag and come over to help. I'd show him the rusted problem and Jake would take my air chisel and put its tip on the offending bolt. I'd show him the rusted problem and Jake would take my air chisel and put its tip on the offending bolt and just stare at it. Then he'd move the chisel to the other side of the bolt and stare at that view for a while, just looking at things, sizing things up. No noise. No action, just looking. And he would do this for a time, with me wondering why he wasn't making noise with that air chisel. But I was patient, for he was bailing me out again. He'd pick his spot and then blast away at it until the park broke loose. He was a genius in my mind. Calm, never in a hurry, and always successful. He would plan his leverage, the mayhem of the air chisel, and then perform the surgery in such a measured and violent way that it always succeeded. It wasn't just rusty nuts and bolts that Jake could master. It seemed that once he put his mind to it, he could always figure out a way to solve any mechanical problem. It was a sort of brain power I stood back from in awe. He would stare at the problem until he knew where to put the lever, how to loosen the pin, where to take up the slack. Then and only then would he apply the force: no useless motion, no wasted moves, no loss of energy. Jake was a master in mechanics, and no one gave him much credit for his intuition, his generosity, or his knowledge. I think mostly because he was no self-promoter. He never pointed at himself, proclaiming his greatness. He went about his work quietly, with honesty, and a need to do each job well. I learned a lot watching Jake work. I learned about patience and planning, although I admit it took me many years for these concepts to sink in for me at the bench. I learned that it's better not to thunder against a problem, look at it critically, and then unravel it. Did I mention that it took many years for this to sink in? It is difficult at first, no question. At the bench, some years later, my patience came slowly to me. I made the cut. I checked the fit. A little more wood needs to come off. This work needs concentration and a great patience. I described joinery, the art of putting pieces of wood together without nails or screws, as an act of accuracy plus patience. Eventually, I developed that needed quality. I learned how to sneak up on a fit. I learned how slowing down made things go faster. I had to stop like Jake to size up the problem. Problem's not going anywhere. Take some time. Be patient. Learn when to slow down. And then when I decide how to solve it, be forceful and on the mark. I got a piece of advice from Jake one night at dinner over at his house with him and his wife. After the meal, he told me, get out of this work. You're not a mechanic. You're not right for it. You should be doing something else with your brain. Do something that will challenge you. And he was right. I knew it. I was killing time there. When I got my own Volkswagen fix and running right, I drove back to Portland. And so after... Some years, I wrote this book, and I remember Jake. And I tell you, this was the guy, kind of guy that didn't say much, but boy, he knew, he knew how to be a mechanic. And He didn't talk about it, didn't brag on it, didn't brag on himself, but he knew where to put the tool, where to apply the force. And that, that was wonderful to see. It takes time, these, these skills. It takes time for them to, to develop, folks are in an understandable hurry because we're all in a hurry these days. Everyone's rushing about. But if you slow down enough, you recognize that problem's not going anywhere. If you just give it some time to, to figure out the right solution, you'll get there. It does take time. One of the ways that this can manifest itself is when you're building a project for the first time, and you're trying to figure stuff out. Uh, which way do the pieces go together? Do I assemble it the front and the rear and then put the sides on? Or do I assemble the sides first and then put the front and the rear on? There's there's always these considerations. I was chatting with my neighbor Vern about his his uh, latest project, which is a set of chairs. And he said, you know, you can't really consider yourself a woodworker until you've done five of the same piece. I don't know why I chose five. I think it should be six or eight or something no matter the the point he was trying to make was that you'll learn so much more as you do the piece again and again and again i've told this story in 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 the book as well about the time when i was teaching uh, at a at a uh, multidisciplinary craft school called annison ranch arts center and uh next to me in the pottery studio was a japanese living treasure i don't remember his name right now and he didn't speak english so we didn't really have any conversations. But he had his daughter as his apprentice and she was learning to throw pots and helped him out in the studio during class. But she would make a pot and then crush it and make that same pot and then crush it and make that same pot and then crush it. This was her practice. And that kind of rigor, that kind of discipline helps you get this stuff in your bones. Helps you understand it at a non-intellectual level. And that's where you have to get. It's not about being able to write about it or talk about it. or It's about just being able to f- perform those actions as if they were like breathing. I have my students do a dovetailing exercise called a five-minute dovetail. I've done, oh, thousands of them by now. And it's easy for me. It used to be hard. It used to be hard. But practice is the best at giving you education. Every day, just a little bit of practice will will help you. Yeah, once a week, that's not going to get it done. But a little bit every day. Just go into the shop, get your saw out, cut a five-minute dovetail. You'll start to see yourself get better at these, at these tasks and learn how to hold yourself and uh, solve that problem of sawing straight and cutting a dovetail. Problem solving is one of the jobs that woodworkers don't really think about but it's, it's a constant whether it's fixing a machine or getting a jig built right, having a jig made and designed that will save you time and uh, keep you safe. These are jobs that show up in our, in our world so often that uh, we overlook it but problem solving is a big one And there are so many types of problem solving, too. You know, there's the just regular, oh, how am I going to cut this piece of wood? And what's the best way to get the best yield? And what's going to make it look pretty? But there's also this other stuff that occurs. Like, how do I remove a screw when I've snapped the head off of it? There's some problem solving that uh, takes some creative thinking sometimes. Or in the middle of a glue-up, and you need to get things Square or, or pull a, a joint in tight that's, for some reason, not moving on you. Then you've got to be problem-solving at speed, and that that's always a challenge. Glue-ups always present those kinds of issues. Where do you put the clamps? Where's the best way to put pressure? Clamping pads, battens, uh, clamping calls. What, what are the, what's the approach you're going to take this time to glue something up? I tell my students that it takes the most time just to set up for a cut. That'll take 20 seconds or two seconds. Who knows how long it might take, but it would, it'll take hours to set it up. And that's the kind of problem solving that goes on all the time. It's setting up for the glue-up that, that takes all the time. The glue-up itself will take two or three minutes. Hey, there you go. But you got to be ready, and you have to do that thinking ahead of time, and you have to do that planning ahead of time. And it's so important for your outcome and your your mental health and state of well-being. So enough blather about this problem of problem-solving. It's a constant, be patient with yourself, consider all the angles. What's that uh, saying from The Art of War, the battle is always... Battle is already won before it's even begun because of the planning that's gone into it. Things get arranged, strategized, before the the first shot, the first arrow is launched. Plan well, strategize well, problem solve well. I hope you'll uh, keep listening. We've got some interesting podcasts coming up next couple weeks. We've got one with Matt Howard, CEO of SawStop. That was a fun chat. There's also a recording of our design open house on intention with John Eisenman, choral master, and myself. That was fun. So uh, keep listening. Thank you for your support on coffee, and uh, if you continue to support me there, just drop a line, ask, ask me a question. I'm happy to answer them. Those are always fun. Be sure to check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Got some great classes coming up, a workshop coming up, a three-day workshop on three simple finishes. You should come. It's going to be fun. Much to reveal. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.